0: Testing one two testing. Katie, can you hear this? No. Testing. Is it plugged into the computer? Testing one two testing. Is it is the is the signal going to the um to the uh, thing?
1: Yeah.
0: Testing one two three. Oh. Testing one two. Uh, shoot, I don't know how to fix this. Wanna go find Jesse? No, because it's starting. Um. To try
1: it
0: again. Testing one two three. Testing. Make sure that it's not muted. Testing one two three.
2: Testing. Testing one two.
0: T- here, hold this.
1: Just keep talking.
0: Testing one two three. Testing. Testing one two three. Testing one, two,
2: three. Testing.
0: Testing one, two, three. Testing. Testing one, two, three. Testing. Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Testing. One,
1: two, three. Testing. Polly wants a cracker. One, two, three.
0: Blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord.
1: Hosanna in the highest.
2: King who comes in the name of the Lord.
1: Peace in
2: heaven and glory in the highest. Let us pray. Assist us mercifully with your help, O Lord, God of our salvation, that we may enter with joy upon the contemplation of those mighty acts whereby you have given us life and immortality. Through Jesus Christ our Lord.
0: Amen. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Mark. Glory be to thee, O Lord. St. Mark chapter 11, beginning in verse 4. So they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside the street, and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, What are you doing loosing the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded. So they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father, David, that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple, the gospel of our Lord.
2: Praise be to thee, Lord
3: Christ. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit.
2: Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is right to praise you, Almighty God, for the acts of love by which you have redeemed us, through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. On this day he entered the holy city of Jerusalem in triumph, and was proclaimed as King of Kings by those who spread their garments, and branches of palm along the way. Let these branches be for us signs of his victory and grant that we who bear them in his name may ever hail him as our king and follow him in the way that leads to eternal life who lives and reigns in glory with you and the Holy Spirit now and forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord.
0: Hosanna
2: in the highest.
0: Let us go forth in peace. In the name of Christ. Amen. Come and
1: grab your
2: who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven
0: and glory in the highest. Psalm 118, beginning with verse 19. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go through them, and I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord, through which the righteous shall enter. I will praise you, for you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. God is the Lord, and he has given us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, I will exalt. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever.
2: Let us pray. Almighty God, whose dear Son went not up to joy, but first he suffered pain, and entered not into glory before he was crucified, mercifully grant that we walking in the way of the cross may find it none other than the way of life and peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
1: I'm Tender love
2: for the human race, you sent your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, to take upon him our nature and suffer death upon the cross, giving us the example of his great humility. Mercifully grant that we may walk in the way of his suffering and also share in his resurrection. Jesus Christ, our Lord who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.
0: You may be seated.
4: Our first reading comes from Isaiah chapter 50, beginning in verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. I gave my back to those who struck me, and my cheeks to those who plucked out my beard. I did not hide my face from the shame and spitting. For the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. He is near who justifies me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near me. Surely... The Lord God will help me. Who is he who will condemn me? Indeed, they will all grow old like a garment. The moth will eat them up. The word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. You may stand for reading the psalm.
4: This morning's psalm is Psalm 22, beginning in verse 1. We'll read responsibly by the asterisk. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?
1: Are so far from my cry from the words of my distress.
4: Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not answer.
1: By nightly well, but I find no rest.
4: Yet you are the Holy One.
1: And the praises of Israel,
4: our forefathers put their trust in you. They
1: trusted and you delivered them.
4: They cried out to you and were delivered.
1: They trusted in you.
4: But as for me, I am a worm and no man. Torn
1: by all and despised by the people.
4: All who see me laugh me to scorn. They
1: curl their lips and wright their heads, saying,
4: He trusted in the Lord. Let him deliver him.
1: Let him rescue him, if he delights in him.
4: Yet you are he who took me out of the womb.
1: And have me saved
4: I have been entrusted to you ever since I was born.
1: You are my God, and I was still in my mother's
4: womb. Be not far from me, for trouble is near. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit.
5: Our epistle this morning is taken from Philippians, chapter 2, verse 5, commencing. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God.
2: Christ
0: became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also has highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name.
6: of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark. They took Jesus to the high priest and the chief priests. The elders and the scribes were assembled. Peter had followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards, warming himself at the fire. Now the chief priests and the whole council were looking for testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none. For many gave false testimony against him, and their testimony did not agree. Some stood up and gave that false testimony against him, saying,
1: We heard it I will just-
6: But even on this point, their testimony did not agree. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Have you no answer? What is it that they testify against you? But he was silent and did not answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? Jesus said, I
2: am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power and the coming with the clouds of heaven.
6: Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, Why do we still need witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. What is your decision? All of them condemned him as deserving death. Some began to spit on him, to blindfold him and to strike him, saying to him, Prophesy. The guards also took him over and beat him. While Peter was Below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she, she stared at him and said, that
5: word that you said. The man from
6: But he denied it saying, "I do not know or understand what
3: you are talking about."
6: And he went out into the court court. Then the cock crowed, and the servant girl on seeing him began again to say to the bystanders, but again he denied it. Then after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter,
1: Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean."
6: But he began to curse, and he swore an no.
0: oath. I do not know this man you are talking about.
6: At that moment, the cock crowed for the second time. Then Peter remembered that Jesus had said to him, Before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. As soon as it was morning, the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and the scribes and the whole council. They bowed Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Pilate asked him, Are you king of the Jews? He answered him, You say so. Then the chief priest accused him of many things. Pilate asked him again,
3: Answer. See how many charges
6: they bring him. But Jesus made no further reply, so that Pilate was amazed. Now at the festival, he used to release a prisoner for them, anyone for whom they asked. Now a man called Barabbas was in prison with the rebels who had committed murder during the insurrection. So the crowd came and began to ask Pilate to do for them according to his custom. Then he answered them, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he realized that it was out of jealousy that the chief priest had handed him over. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him release Barabbas from them for them instead. Pilate spoke to them again, Then what do you wish me to do with the man you call the king of the Jews? They shouted back, Crucify him! Pilate asked them,
3: Why? What evil has he done?
6: But they shouted all the more, Crucify him! So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas, and after flogging Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified. Then the soldiers led him into the courtyard of the palace, that is, the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole cohort, and they clothed him in a purple cloak, And after twisting some thorns into a crown, they put it on him. And they began saluting him. Hail, king of the Jews. They struck his head with a reed, spat upon him, and knelt down in homage to him. After mocking him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. They compelled a passerby who was coming in from the country to carry his cross, It was Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus. Please stand. Then they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh. But he did not take it. And they crucified him and, and divided his clothes among them. Casting lots to decide what each should take. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two bandits, one on his right and one on the left. Those who passed by derided him, shaking their heads saying, uh-huh. In the same way, the chief priests, along with the scribes, were also mocking him among themselves and saying, Those who were crucified with him also taunted him. When it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. At three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice,
2: Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, My God,
6: why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, "Listen, he was calling for Elijah." And someone ran, filled the sponge with sour wine, put it on a stick, and gave it to him to drink, saying, Then Jesus gave a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two, from top to bottom. Now when the centurion who stood facing him saw, saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said,
2: "Truly, this man was God's son.
6: Praise to you, Lord Christ.
0: You may be seated. It's good to have a pause after that reading where people are moving to their spaces. And hopefully during that pause, you were able to sense the gravity of what we're talking about. What's going on in this narration is evil beyond belief. We think sometimes, because we've heard the stories, because we've seen the beautiful cross jewelry, that the cross was this holy religious symbol from the beginning. And no, it was not. One way I've heard it described is imagine instead of watching somebody march to the cross, maybe imagine somebody being marched to an electric chair and the horror that that contains. Now, the promise embedded within that is if you pay attention, there's still beauty in what God did with the cross. That he actually transformed the cross into the most reproduced image, the most beautiful image in the history of the world. People have been making crosses and crucifixes with Jesus hanging on the cross. Could you imagine if somebody came up to you and they were wearing an electric chair around their neck? We can't. It's hard for us to imagine. But that's what happened through the power of what God was able to do through the story of Jesus. Now, I did ask Katie. I think she has an image that she'll put up, uh, or maybe she does not. But there's this image that I love. Maybe it'll pop up in a second. That is a... 14th century i guess it would be 1400 15th century painter and he paints what's called scenes of the passion of christ and what's awesome about this painting is the fact that everything that happens in the story is in the painting so you see in the top right hand corner uh you see the uh jesus entering in triumphantly riding the donkey And then you see in the bottom left-hand corner, you see that he's being mocked and scourged. And you see in the middle, he's being tried by Pilate. And on the right, you see him walking the way of the cross, bearing the cross. And then you see him crucified on the hill of Golgotha. And then you see his resurrection. If you, It's hard to see from this far out, but when you zoom in, you see actually scenes of his resurrection. And the reason I love this painting so much is because we can't just focus on one part of the story. The passion of Christ, the cross of Christ, only makes sense in the context of the whole story. And so during Holy Week, I want to give you this injunction that I heard recently. We watched two different movies uh, recently that start in almost the same way, where the narrator says, watch closely, pay attention. If you're not looking, you might miss it. And that's the injunction that I want to give to you. We literally just watched these movies in the past week, and it struck me. I was like, that's what Holy Week is about. It's about pausing in the midst of our busy life and watching closely, paying attention. There's something being communicated in this chaotic image that I just showed you that we get to walk out in our liturgical elements today and throughout the rest of this week. You don't want to miss what God is doing in this story. In fact, I think what God is doing in this story will give us the key to walking in victory and not in defeat. In our New Testament lesson today, in Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God... Did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. In layman's terms. God existed before the foundation of the world. He created all that was. He made man in his image. And he sought throughout all time to bring man into relationship with himself. That he might love them and that they might glorify him and love him too. That they might be in this relationship. But you know what? Again and again we see in the story of history, man instead turned to their own ways. They killed the prophets, the messengers that God sent to bring man into relationship with him. And in the fullness of time, Jesus is, we don't really understand metaphysically what's going on, but he's reigning as God, and yet he came and became enfleshed in the baby Jesus that we celebrate at Christmas, in the Incarnation. I can't think of a more humbling experience than being God himself and then becoming a man who walks on earth and ends up dying, crucified. It's about humility. It's about Jesus thinking differently than we do. Because if I was God, I wouldn't have come to earth. And he knew he was going to die. It said he was crucified before the foundations of the world. He knew that he was coming and would be rejected and tortured and killed. And yet he chose to do so. And I'll tell you, the secret is this right at the beginning. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We're actually called to think like Jesus. We're called to think in such a way that we would actually choose humility. That we would actually choose the way of obedience that leads to our own death. That's what we're being challenged to do today, is think about how Jesus was able to embrace his cross. Because as we've been teaching this whole Lent, what we're reminding you is that Christianity is about embracing your own cross, your own death. So we start in Palm Sunday by singing out Hosanna, which... If you look up the definition, it's like a a term of adoration, of joy, of praise. It's a lot like hallelujah. Oh, we're not supposed to say that. It's Lent. Whoopsies. But that's basically what we say, right? We say, Hosanna. We're glorifying the King, Jesus. But he's riding a donkey or the foal of a donkey, not even a full-grown donkey. Why isn't he riding a war horse? What's the deal, man? That's weird, Right? When you're walking into your victory, you want to be driving the Rolls Royce, not the Ford Focus, right? There's something different going on here. Jesus is doing it differently. Throughout all of history, there's been people who've marched into the city riding on their beautiful war horse with their sword in their hand. And yet you have Jesus riding on the foal of a donkey, defenseless, being greeted by palm branches, symbols of peace. Jesus is walking the steps that have been laid out before him in humility. It's not about him looking good. It's not about him taking control. It's about him ceding all of his control, submitting his own will to what God wanted to do. And he knew the words of the prophet that said that the Messiah would come and enter Jerusalem riding on the foal of a donkey. He's he's walking out the story that's been written for him, a story of humility and peace. Then these people, they're praising him as the son of David. They're basically saying, this is the Messiah. This is the king. And in the moment, you have to think that Jesus' disciples who've been walking with him are like, yes, they finally get it. They get it. He is the king. He is the Messiah. He's going to come. He's going to take over Jerusalem. He's going to rule. He's going to usher in this glorious reign of the kingdom of God. But we just walked through this service, and we have no ability to pretend That that's where the story ends. What Palm Sunday forces you to confront is that the very cheers that called out Hosanna, son of David, king of Israel, are the same ones that cry out in the Passion Gospel, crucify him. Crucify him. Now, does that mean that those cries of Hosanna were false and don't count? that they're pointless because they just flipped. Why do we even do the Hosanna thing? Obviously, they didn't mean it, but no, God is actually better than that. Because those cries of Hosanna still echoed through eternity with the eventual second coming of Christ where we will truly greet him. Hosanna, son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. What I'm saying there may be a little complicated, but what I'm saying is they actually, through participating in bringing Jesus in on the donkey, praising Him as their King, they participated with a reality that they did not understand. They participated with something that maybe wasn't totally real in their life. It wasn't already, but not yet. Yes, Jesus is the King. We get to participate in that too every Palm Sunday when we sing out Hosanna. But there's still the way of the cross ahead. It's like our own lives where we declare often on Sunday, Literally every Eucharist, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. We declare the victory, but we still have to walk out the cross. So the Hosanna, they declare the victory. They declare the kingship of of Jesus. And you know what? That week he did get crowned king, just in a way that they didn't think possible, that nobody thought. So if we're supposed to think the way that Jesus thought, how do we think How do we think that Jesus thought? This is kind of a complicated sentence. Let me rewrite this. What was Jesus thinking when the crowd he loved called out, crucify him, crucify him? What was he thinking when he was standing there listening to the people he came to save, say crucify him? Well, we know part of what Jesus was thinking because he warned his disciples that when he went to Jerusalem, he would be rejected and killed. He knew the word of God, he knew the promise of God, and even when all looked bleak, when everyone turned against him, he held on to the word of God and trusted it. Jesus knew the plan of God, but he still had to walk it out. So we see, first. Jesus' rejection at the crowd level, the crucify him, crucify him. Let's look now a little deeper at the personal level when his best friend denied him. We see earlier in the week, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's trying to tell them the words that God has given him, the promise that God has given them, And he says, you will all fall away, all you disciples, all you followers, for it says i will strike the sheep and the sheep will be the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered but after i am raised up i will go before you to galilee so he's telling them i will die you guys are going to abandon me and then i'll be raised again seems really clear to us but imagine the disciples who are walking this out or another time peter tries to tell him no you're not going to die what are you talking about jesus they don't get what he's saying, but he's trying to warn them. And Peter jumps up and he says, even if all these other guys fall away, I won't abandon you, Jesus. It's got to be funny. What are the other disciples thinking? Like, who is this fool? Peter's trying to say he's better than us, right? And he's like saying, even if those people fall away, I'm going to stick with you to the end, right? But Jesus says to him and to all of us who might have the same thought to all of us who think if we were there, we would have stayed with Jesus. If we were there, we wouldn't have denied him. But Jesus says, truly, I tell you this very night before the rooster crows twice, you'll deny me three times. But Peter says, no, 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 no. If I must die with you, I won't deny you. And all the followers said the same. But what do we see in the passion narrative? We see Peter deny him. And in Certain translations, it says he denied her with a curse. So imagine what you will, any four-letter expletive that you want to put in there. But he's saying, heck no. I don't know who Jesus is. Jesus is best friend. Denying him at his moment of greatest trial. So first, we're forced to reconcile with the fact that we would have been one of the crowds calling out, crucify him. And second, we're not left the comfort of our pride that calls out with Peter, even though everyone else falls away, I won't fall away. But in this story, there's also a hint of what Jesus is thinking as his best friend and the people he loved crucify or deny him and eventually crucify him. What does he say in here? You will all fall away for it is written. So what does that mean? We heard that same phrase when we were talking about the temptations at the beginning of Lent. It means that Jesus is actually standing on the word of God in the midst of his most difficult circumstance. How was Jesus able to withstand the betrayal of his friends and countrymen? He loved the word of God. He knew the promises of God and he held on to them. Like we read in the liturgy of the palms out front in Psalm 118, I will praise you for you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. That was one of the prayers that Jesus would have prayed his entire life. And he knew from the prophecies that he was the stone that was going to be rejected. But the promise was that it would be the chief cornerstone and that the Lord would do it. So he's holding on to these promises, and there's thousands of them like this, that Jesus has prayed his life, that he has studied in the Scriptures, and he's holding on to those promises that he will be saved, even though he's going to be rejected. Okay, all right. So he knows the Scripture. But how does that help me? Because I have a Scripture on my mirror that tells me, you know, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. But I don't rejoice just knowing the Scripture. I don't rejoice just knowing the promises of God. I don't endure suffering gracefully knowing that God will save me. It's not enough to just know what the scriptures are. I think we all know that. But Jesus didn't know the scriptures only. He also lived the scriptures. Remember that we began our Lenten studies, our Lenten sermons, with the study of the temptations of Christ, where he passed the test. Again and again and again. And I argue that the temptations of Christ are a nice story, but that happened his entire ministry, where he was constantly tempted to do it his own way. Where he was tempted to take his own destiny in his hands and do, achieve the promises of God by his own strength. But instead, he consistently submitted himself to God. And it may have been sometimes where it was really easy, where God said, hey, don't go to Galilee, go to Nazareth. Or don't do this, do that, and he's like, okay, great, I'm with you, God. But we also know that he had difficult times. We we talked about as well last week about when Jesus was told that his friend Lazarus was dying, but God told him not to go, not to heal him. You can imagine what would happen. Jesus, who has healed everyone who's come to him, and they say, okay, come heal your best friend, and God says, no, 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 wait, don't go. But as you see, once he's doing this again and again in his life, what happens? And maybe you've experienced this some in your life. As he faces these trials and he trusts God, he sees God come through for him. Lazarus died, but he was raised from the dead. And he builds a relationship of trust with God. That if I submit my will to him, he will come through. That's what we're called to do. In the little things and in the big things. But you know what? When you start to follow God's way, you start to see him coming through for you. You start to see him blessing you, saving you, raising things from the dead that you laid down. Raising things up and giving you the promises, even though there was moments where you thought he'd never show up. He still does. And as you build that history of relationship with God, you build a trust with him. And that's what Jesus did his whole life. He built such a trust with God that even faced with rejection and death, he still trusted God. It reminds me of a line in scriptures where you talk about Abraham, one of the, the father of our one of the fathers of faith, one of, in the hall of faith, and it says, you know, he was promised a son his whole life, and he's in his he's a hundred years old or something when finally he has the son. And then when the son's Seven years old, God says, okay, I want you to kill him in a sacrifice to me. Unbelievable. How can you tell me to do that, God? That makes no sense. And yet it says, we're given a hint, it says that Abraham followed through with obedience. Of course, we know in the story, God stopped his hand and did not let him kill his son. And he said those prophetic words, I'll provide the sacrifice, which refer, of course, to Jesus. But the insight we're given is that Abraham was willing to walk that out because he believed that even if his son were to die, God would raise him from the dead. It's a depth of trust and faith that only comes when you choose to live your life in relationship with God in his word. So then finally, in the midst of Jesus' darkest hour, he had a foundation that had been formed within him that allowed him to trust God even on the cross. We see it finally and most powerfully in the last words of Jesus in our passion narrative today. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What is Jesus saying there? Is he finally giving up hope in the face of the utter rejection and torturous death? Is Jesus saying, my God, my God, you've forsaken me. Where are you? Yeah, that is what he's saying. He is feeling the depth of suffering like when a parent loses their child. Like when a perfectly healthy young man wastes away in cancerous death. Like when a wife is betrayed by her husband in egregious infidelity. He's feeling the depth of human suffering like any of us may be able to imagine. But in the deepest suffering and betrayal that we experience, we can know that Jesus is right there with us as we cry out, My God! My God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you? Why are you far from the words of my groaning? Jesus is right there in our place of darkest pain. And we're told even better, our suffering participates in the actual moment of the cross when Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That our suffering makes complete what Jesus did on the cross for us. But... Jesus was crying out in that despair, but he was also affirming the hope of resurrection. Because he could have said anything on the cross to declare his suffering and despair, but he chose to quote Psalm 22. He called out that, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But what else does Psalm 22 say? Psalm 22 says more than that. Psalm 22 continues, and he calls out all these reasons. You can count all my bones. The bulls surround me. On Maundy Thursday, we'll have a wonderful reading where they strip the altar, and they just we enter the despair of the psalm. But there's more to the words of the psalm than just despair. Because then the psalmist cries, But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. And this is where it all changes. It goes from, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Save me, where are you? And it switches and he says, you have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. The psalmist declares prophetically. He hasn't been saved yet, but he declares prophetically, you have saved me. And from that point on, the psalmist declares the goodness of, of God. He doesn't stay in his despair. And he says for he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. He has not hidden his face from him, but he has heard when he cried to him. So what is Jesus saying when he says, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" He's expressing the deepest pain of human suffering. But he's never for a minute letting go of the hope of resurrection. It is 100% endorsed by Jesus himself for you to come to a place in your life where you look up at God and you say, Why have you forsaken me? Where are you, God? That is 100% in line with Jesus. But don't forget the hope that is set before us, the hope of resurrection. He is with you in your suffering, but he's not going to leave you there. He will not leave you there. But instead, thinking like Jesus is allowing yourself to experience those true human emotions while holding on to hope of the promises of God. I'll say one more time that this doesn't happen because you heard a great sermon, if the sermon's great. This doesn't happen because of reading your Bible. This happens because you choose to be in relationship with God day by day. And then you build that trust in that relationship so that when you get to that point, the lowest point in your life, the most difficult points in your life, you know that he is there with you. And you know that you still have a sure and certain hope. This is the invitation for Holy Week. To enter the way of Jesus, laying our lives down and embracing our cross while holding on to the hope of our salvation. As we read earlier, Almighty God, whose most dear Son, went not up to joy, but first He suffered pain, and entered not into glory before He was crucified, mercifully grant that we, walking in the way of the cross, may find it none other than the way of life and peace. Let us walk in the way of life and peace this holy week and look forward to our resurrection. Amen? Amen? Amen.
2: by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of the Father. And And I look look for the
0: resurrection of the dead
2: and the life of the world to come. Amen.
0: Let us pray for the church and for the world. Father, we pray for your holy Catholic Church.
6: That we we all be one.
0: Grant that every member of the church may truly and humbly serve you. That your name may be glorified by all people. We pray for all bishops, priests, and deacons.
3: That they may be faithful ministers of your word and sacraments.
0: We pray for all who govern and hold authority in the nations of the world.
3: That there may be justice and peace on the earth.
0: Give us grace to do your will in all that we undertake. That our
3: works may find favor in your sight.
0: Have compassion on those who suffer from any grief or trouble.
3: That they may be delivered from their distress.
0: Give to the departed eternal rest.
3: Let the light perpetual shine upon them.
0: We praise you for your saints who have entered into
6: joy.
2: And may we also come to share in your heavenly kingdom. Heavenly Father, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The peace of the Lord be always with you.
0: And with your spirit.
2: Turn and greet your neighbors to the peace
1: of the Lord.
0: Amen.
3: All right. Good morning. Hello, everybody. <laughs> hello, hello. All right. Well, this is uh, the beginning of Holy Week, and uh, the biggest thing that we've got going on this week is a whole lot of services.
5: True. Uh
3: Starts on Thursday night. Then there's uh, multiple services on Friday. There's a service Saturday, and it all culminates with Easter Sunday. Um e- Pretty much everything is focused here uh, this week. Uh, even uh, our home group uh, Ed and my home group will be meeting here at church on Wednesday night. And we're going to be setting up the the black coverings uh, that we, we do Thursday night. So, uh, you know, someone asked me today, hey, is anyone invited to your home group? Yes. Anyone's <laughs> invited to my home group. Although this week it'll be here. Here Wednesday. Here at, Wednesday. At, uh, oh, it. At 6, if you show up a little earlier, I'll probably be here, but we're just using the same time for now, oh, Okay. just so that it's easier for everybody. Um, Bishop is not here today. Yeah, let me say that. Everybody, <laughs> keep Bishop and Karen in your prayers.
2: Uh, he was planning to be here. He was going to be here. He took a short trip to Tucson, but as a part of that, his car got smashed. <laughs> and uh, he's fine, and Karen's fine. I mean, aches and pains, he get up a little of that when that sort of thing happens. So please, keep them in your prayer, uh, as they will be traveling back here tomorrow. They'll be traveling back here tomorrow, and he is sorry he can't be here today. Uh, disappointed, I'm sure. And
3: mm-hmm. he, I am you? too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he, he texted someone and said, remember uh, your Easter lilies? That's yes. one of the traditions that we have here. Uh, Karen a lot of time heads it up, and they bring Easter lilies here for uh, for decorating the church on Easter Sunday. So those of you who want to do that, especially uh, as you have friends and
2: family that you 've lost that are dear for you it 's one of the remembrances that we do on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday that you bring Easter lilies for that, so just bring them in anytime you can get in here, put them around the altar.
3: Okay, Uh, I think that's about it. Remember, uh, next week the kids are actually going to go out and do something. Yes, they are. Uh, And Marie Madison is heading that up, and I know there's a lot of you out there who want to hop in and help her uh, on Sunday, so just let her know, or even if it's uh, next Sunday and the kids are going out and you see her being mobbed, (laughs) run out there with her and and save her. So that's it. God bless you. Amen. Amen.
0: Let's pray for the offering. As we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's Word by engaging with Him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Together, through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name, but do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
2: It is the table of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love Him and for those who want to love Him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little, you who have been here often and you who have not been here long, you who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come, because it is the Lord who invites you. It is His will that those who want Him should meet Him here. Come to the table. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts.
1: We lift them up,
2: give thanks, O Lord our God. God. Father, all powerful and ever living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. He came among us as a man to lead mankind from darkness into the light of faith. Through Adam's fall we were born as slaves of sin. But now, through baptism in Christ, we are reborn as your adopted children. Earth unites with heaven to sing the new song of creation as we adore and praise you forever in the unending hymn of praise. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Lord, you are holy indeed, the fountain of all holiness. Let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts and make them holy, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he was given up to death, the death he freely accepted, he took bread, he gave you thanks, he broke it, he gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup. Again, he gave you thanks and praise. He gave the cup to his disciples and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Let us proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. And Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love together with our patriarch Craig, our bishop Douglas, and all the clergy. Remember those for whom we now pray. Connie, Susan, Carl, Serena, Naomi, Rachel, Nadia, Kyle, Sonia, Maria, Sandra, Karen, Tammy, Kyla, the Paris family, Craig family, Jason, the Leitner family, Morgan, Courtney, Scott, David, the Shute family, Gavin, the Marines and sailors of Camp Pendleton, and all those who serve in our armed forces. You can add the names of the people you're praying for. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and broken. As we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles, martyrs, and all the saints. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him, with him, and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Amen. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us.
0: Therefore, let us keep the feast.
2: Lamb Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world.
0: Have mercy upon
2: us. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world.
3: Grant
2: us, peace. The gifts of God for the people of God, take them in remembrance that Jesus died for you and feed on him in your hearts with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who are called to his supper. Amen. Jesus,
1: this is your body. Jesus, this is your body.
2: Graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and you have fed us with spiritual food and the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace, and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in the battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who roam throughout the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. May the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and those you love and care for now and forever. Amen.